Uh, so, you know, God uses simple things to humble a person's heart, right? So uh, let's go ahead and begin with verse 1. I'm going to read through the entire chapter, and then we'll go back and break it down. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who had builded the house hath more honor than the house. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ as the son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For if we are made partakers of Christ, if we hold to the beginning of our confidence steadfast until the end, what it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke. Howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. So in Hebrews chapter 1, uh, Hebrews is written to the Jewish people. That's why it's called the book of Hebrews. And we see the Jewish people had a certain mindset, and we see that in chapter 1, they, they held angels in high regard, high, high level. Um, and the writer goes to say that Jesus is greater and above the angels. And in chapter 2, really, the writer focuses on the gifts of salvation that Jesus gives to mankind. Now, chapter 3, we know that Moses was also held in high esteem by the Jewish people, um, and now he goes on to write that Jesus himself is greater than Moses. Now, he's not putting Moses down, but simply states the truth that Moses was a servant and Jesus is a son of God. Moses is a servant of God, Jesus is a son of God. And because he is a son of God, has more glory. So let's begin with um, the first verse. 
Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. We read, therefore, holy brethren. That causes us to think we are holy because of the work God has done in us. We are a new creation, and the Holy Spirit works to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 28 and 29 reads, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren and sisters. So, therefore, holy brethren, once we need to, to often think, I have seen in my lifetime people who receive Christ and, and their lives are a 180 degree turn, completely changed, like instantaneously. God, the Holy Spirit just that, does that kind of work. But the work of the Holy Spirit in each individual is different. And each individual has different life experiences that they need healing from. That trauma they may have experienced in childhood. Or uh, great um, unfaithfulness of friends or family that causes them uh, uh, to, to struggle with trusting people. So the Holy Spirit matures us at different levels, at different speeds because of our life experiences. Not that one person is any better than another, which is why we really should not, ought not to judge our brother and sister, because only the Spirit knows what their life entails and where they're at today. But we're a work in process. As we read in Romans, the Holy Spirit is working to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. Conform us, little by little. There's a sanctification process, and all of us go in that sanctification process differently. So just because one person is instantly changed and transformed at, at, at a higher rate does not mean that person is any better or any worse than somebody else that the Holy Spirit is taking more time to because perhaps that person needs healing, because that person perhaps needs to overcome some trauma in their life. So yeah, we're not, that's why you know, the scriptures warn us about not being judgmental. Oh, we're not God. We can't, we don't know all things and what people have gone through. That's why it reads, therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling. What is our calling? I just read it, to be conformed to the image of Christ, to be sons of God. That's our calling. That's each and every person's calling in here, is to be conformed to his image. And that's done, through, again, through the Holy Spirit. When we receive Christ, the Holy Spirit enters into us. Jesus said we are born again, born anew. And that rebirth is spiritual. We have a physical birth, and then we have a spiritual birth. But it is in that that we all have the same calling. We have the same calling to become uh, like Christ, little Christ, if you will, like Jesus, uh, to bear his image. So when people truly see us, they should see a reflection of Christ because he lives in us. And through us, he will speak when we allow him to, when we allow the spirit to lead our life more than the flesh, then the spirit will manifest the nature of Christ that is within us. Um, 
And then it goes on to read in verse 1, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. Apostle in the Greek is an ambassador who goes in the power and authority of the one who sends him. Strong says an apostle is a delegate, a messenger, one sent with orders. Those of us who are, uh, have military experience understand orders. We have a specific order from someone that we must carry out. Jesus has had and has specific orders that he carries out that the Father has given him. And what is that purpose that Jesus has? It is to reconcile humanity to the Father. In fact, if we read in Scripture, that also is our calling as well, to reconcile all people to God as Christ works through us. So as Jesus came into the world to reconcile humanity to the Father, to God, we too, through the Holy Spirit, reconcile others to God. Whether it be people, whatever our circle of influence is, whether it be people in our family, whether it be people in our work, wherever God has us, we're to be um, people of purpose, people of effect. Just the fact that you're carrying the Holy Spirit means there is going to be an effect on people irregardless because of what you say is coming from the Holy Spirit. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So anything we say we do in the Spirit has power because it's coming from God. And that is our purpose. Our purpose is to be change agents in the world, to help bring about change in this world and reconcile humanity back to God. Jesus is our high priest, so he's, he's God's apostle, one who's sent out. Interesting, because then after God sent Jesus out, he sent out the 12 apostles, um, and many disciples sent him out to be the, that change in the world, to, to bring about uh, his message, his purpose to the world. Jesus is our high priest. It was, it was lawful for him to perform the uh, high priest, it reads in the, in the dictionary or the concordance, it was lawful for the high priest to perform common duties of the priesthood. But a chief priest's duty was once a year on the Day of Atonement to enter the Holy of Holies from which other priests were excluded. So high priest duties were very different from the common priest, one who assisted the high priest. Jesus is our high priest. But he just doesn't go to a temple made of hands. He goes before the throne of God on our behalf. He represents us, right? The high priest would offer sacrifice for his own sins and for the sins of the people. Yet Jesus offered himself a sacrifice without sin and for our sins. So he was a perfect sacrifice, being without sin. And to preside over the Sanhedrin or the Supreme Council and convene for judicial deliberations. In other words, the high priest would reside over the council uh, in, in uh, Jerusalem. Um, Let's go on to verse 2. Verse 2. Um, Jesus, creator of all things, Moses, a servant in the house of God. Verse 2 reads, who was faithful, Jesus, who was faithful to him who appointed him, 
as Moses also was faithful in all his house. For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. Verse 2, who was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all his house. Jesus was faithful to God, who appointed him to be Savior of mankind, and Moses was faithful to God concerning the house, which is a reference to the nation of Israel, right? the 12 tribes. Moses was a servant of God to the 12 tribes. Jesus is a son of God to humanity. His level of responsibility to God is superior, is supreme, is above that of Moses. That's not to take away from Moses because it said in scripture that there was no man more humble than Moses. Moses was a very, very humble man, which is probably why God chose him. When a, a humble person, when God sees a humble person, he sees someone who is not concerned about getting credit for himself or glory for himself or, or to boost his own ego, but he sees a person who's concerned with doing just what God wants him to do and nothing else. Just pleasing God because he knows where he stands in regards to the presence of God. So God looks for people of humility. He uses people of humility. Before I began to, in ministry, God told me that one day I would be speaking before people. And I was the kind of person that could hardly speak to my own wife. I was so shy. You know, that's just the way I was. And I said to God, just like Moses, I said, you got the wrong person. I can't, I can't, I can't talk to people. I, it, it's not, that's not me. It's, I, you got the wrong person. But you see, it is the humility that, that God used, the humility in me that God was able to take me and be able to speak in front of people. Because it's not coming from me, it's coming from the Holy Spirit. Believe me, I could probably come up here and say hi and bye, good, uh, good morning, and then sit down. That's the way it used to be. But God has done the work in me because of my humility. Um, so Moses was faithful in all his house. For this one has been counted more worthy of more glory than Moses. Jesus is greater of, of is creator of all things. Therefore, he is worthy of more glory. Um, in Colossians 1.16, we, we're told that Jesus is creator of all things, all humanity, all creation, all the universe, everything. Every hair that's on our head, Jesus knows and, and, and knows the number scripture says that we have on our head. He knows us that intimately. Why? Because he is our creator. That is why he is greater than Moses. And now the writers trying to convince or to have the Jewish people understand why Jesus is greater than Moses. That's why he keeps going back to Moses. Never putting Moses down but letting them know where he stands in light of Jesus Christ. And as much as he who built the house has more honor than the house. So Jesus, who created all things, who created the nation of Israel, who created peoples and all nations, who created all animals, who created the universe, the atmosphere, 
but Jesus himself, God. Jesus, God incarnate, created all things. Therefore, he is greater. He has more honor than the house. He has more honor than, than the Jewish nation or Moses. Verse 4, um, for every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant. For a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterward. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are if we hold fast to the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. In verses 4 and 5, the house is refer referring to Israel, of which Moses was a member. He was a servant. Verse 6, Jesus, being the creator of all things, makes him greater than Moses, but more importantly, saying that the body of Christ, which Jesus is building now, Moses served the nation of Israel. Jesus is building the body of Christ, which is made up of believers. Uh, so the work of Jesus is greater than the work of Moses. Moses took a nation from which the Messiah would come and took it uh, into the promised land. Well, he didn't enter in, but he took it towards the promised land. Joshua and Caleb took the nation in uh, through whom the Messiah would come. Let's go to verse uh, 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. In the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works for 40 years, therefore I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. Now verses 7 through 11, the writer is quoting Psalms 97, 7 through 11, speaking of uh, the nation of Israel. Now, it's fascinating to me that the nation of Israel seen so much, yet they still doubted. Uh, the verses we just read speak of the generation that left Egypt that remained in the desert for 40 years because of rebellion, and as the scripture says, uh, they did not enter into God's rest. Interesting, the next chapter we read, chapter 4, it talks about God's rest, but how it applies to us as, as Christians, what that rest looks like, what it entails. Now, a lack of faith causes their, their hardening of heart. Let us remain in faith. Even when things don't look well, don't lose your blessing from a lack of patience. In other words, sometimes God is in the midst of working something, and we lose patience, and we... We want to, like Pastor Joe says, get things done on our own without waiting on God. And sometimes we uh, bypass or we, we uh, go around what God had prepared for us because we weren't patient enough to wait on God. If we learn to be patient, God will always, all things work together for those who love God. God will always work things out for your best. God has, God's intent for all of us is, is to bless us. 
He is our Heavenly Father. Which of us here who are fathers and mothers look at our own children and not want uh, the best for them? Not want them to have a tremendous future? Not want them to have more than what I had when I was growing up? Not just want the best. If I, being an earthly father, think like that, and that's the nature of God, I believe, because not all fathers think like that, but that's the nature of God, how much more not that, that does God think about us being a righteous, holy God that he is? Much, much more than I can ever love. God loves me. Much, much more than I love my own children. God loves them more. More than I love all of you and the Lord, he loves you more than I. Because he is love. God loves Verse 12, beware, brethren, lest there be in, in any of you an evil heart of unbelief uh, from the living God. The concern here is unbelief. God has done many miracles before Israel. The concern here is unbelief. Now, really, you know, we think about it. The, I remember seeing the Ten Commandments. You know, Charlton Heston <laughs> When I was a kid, I think when it first came out, my dad took us to the theater and we watched it. And even as a child, I was blown away by God doing all that he did and the people rebelled. I'm like, I don't, I don't get it. And now God just saved all your firstborn. While all the firstborn of Egypt were dying, if you were a Hebrew, your firstborn, as long as that blood was on the doorpost, so that death would pass over, and that's a sign of future things to come, which is what the writer was talking about. Future things, the blood of Christ uh, prevents death from taking us. We live eternally with him. We don't go to where people that don't follow Christ go. We go to heaven, not to hell. And people don't like to hear that, but Jesus said it. So if Jesus said it, I guess I can say it too. Uh, Salvation of the firstborn. The, uh, their release by the Pharaoh was in itself a miracle. That the Pharaoh finally gave in after well, how many plagues? Ten plagues? After ten plagues, Pharaoh finally said, okay, I've had it. I get the message. You guys get out of here before God does something worse. And I think the loss of the firstborn was probably what did the Pharaoh in. The loss of the Pharaoh, when he lost his son, that did him in. What else will God bring upon me? And he let him go. He split the Red Sea. He gave them manna from heaven. It's just miracle after miracle after miracle. And what do they do when Moses takes a long time up there on the mountain uh, to bring down the commandments from God, to bring the word of God down to the people? They rebel and create their own God, put up a false God made of gold, and start to worship a false God. Take things into their own hands. And because they took things into their own hands, they bypassed their blessing. They bypassed the blessing that God had for them. Rest in the promised land. If God is for you, who can be against you? No one. No one can overcome you if God is for you. And they bypassed their blessing. Why? Because they doubted. You know, I, I always used to ponder on what Jesus said when the Pharisees and scribes came to him and said, show us a sign. And I looked at this, and, and now when the Pharisees 
and the scribes asked them to do this, Jesus had already healed. They said everyone that came to him, the word of God said everyone, anyone who needed healing was healed. Jesus healed them. So Jesus would do miracle after miracle. He created wine out of water. He did many, many miracles. He healed on the Sabbath. And it's these healings. Now, here's what gets to me. Jesus had already shown them that he was from God because only someone from God can do what he was doing. So why were they asking him to show a sign? You, what did Jesus say? You, you wicked generation who seek a sign when a sign has already been given. In other words, they already knew the the, the miracles. The work of God, Jesus' work of healing people was really a work of God, and it was already demonstrated. And yes, yet they asked for a sign. You know, know, the bottom line is they, they, they were blinded because of the enemy, because of, of the lack of faith in God, or they didn't understand or comprehend. I don't know why they didn't see the miracles, but I can clearly see it in Scripture. Why would they ask something like that? Because they never had faith in God to begin with. Show us a sign. Now, in the desert, when they go through, and what happened? For 40 years, all the people that that doubted God, they, they died in the desert. They bypassed their blessing because they didn't trust God. It's an issue of faith. And because they didn't trust God, the only two that entered in into the promised land were Joshua and Caleb from that generation. Everyone else was from the new generation. That old generation died in the desert because of their unbelief. God would not, God could not use, how can God use someone with unbelief? God could not use them. And if some of us struggle with faith, the comforter, the helper, will help you. Father, help me with my faith. He is just and faithful to help you, to increase faith. Um, where, where we lack in faith, God can give us more. We just have to ask. And when you ask, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened. When you truly seek and you truly ask, God comes through. God comes through every time. God will not let you down. Verse 13, but exhort one another daily while it is called to lest, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Pastor Joe said he was going to go to Florida and teach about the importance of fellowship. And there, there are many reasons why we should fellowship. One, the enemy likes to isolate us and, and play with our minds and play, play with our emotions. And when we are in fellowship, we are one encouraged by one another, encouraged by the Holy Spirit, encouraged by the Word of God. But most important is that we encourage one another. Pastor Joe said to him, that is the most important reason for fellowship is to encourage one another. Exhort one another daily, the scripture says. And the word exhort means entreat, comfort, and give instruction. Now, instruction does not mean criticize. It means that if you've got something from the Holy Spirit, if you've got a word of wisdom that will help that brother, that sister, give it to them. 
If God has put something on your heart to share with somebody that is positive, that is light, that is words of life, share. That's what the importance of fellowship is. We grow and we care for one another and we keep each other lifted up. The whole purpose of church is for the edification of, of the church, the body of Christ. The whole purpose for us getting together is for that. For the edification of the saints so that they may do the ministry of the word of God. What does that mean? It's not just the pastor that is a minister, it's a servant of God. Each and every one of us is a servant, is a minister of God. Each and every one of us. And he can use each and every one of us. The same spirit that's in me, that's Elder Steve, that's in Pastor Joe, is in each one of you. And the Holy Spirit will use you wherever he has you. Verse 14, for we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. The writer is warning the Hebrews to not harden their hearts as their ancestors did in the desert, but rather to hold on to confidence which with they started in Jesus. In other words, what the writer is saying here, because many of, of the Jewish people, some were accepting Jesus, some were not, some were staying completely in the law. The writer is telling the Jewish people, how you started, end. Don't start in Christ and then go away from Christ and go back to the law and not end where God wants you to end. So that's what, that's what he's sharing there. Go on to verse 16. For who having heard rebelled indeed was not all who came out of Egypt, led by Moses. Now with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose cor corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? But to those who did not obey. So we see that they could not enter because of unbelief. The issue of not being able to enter the promised land is a lack of faith. The inability to have patience and wait on God. So today, when God is taking us through something, and we find ourselves being patient, and I want to say, I've been told by a lot of people I'm very patient, but I can tell you there are times where I can, you can talk to my wife. I'm extremely impatient. Because, you know, having been a military man, a man of order, a man of uh, discipline, you know, I want things done A, B, C, D. But God would go, hmm, no, I don't want things done A, B, C, D. I want things done Z and then back to A and then back to B. And then you just go wherever God tells you to go. God has, God has the big picture in mind. We don't. God sees everything that needs to happen. And he might have us on a journey that is completely unbeknownst to us. My wife and I, we, and I'm going to share this and we'll close, but we went to England for three years and we met a dear sister. Her name was Kay. She was from India. She married a young man who worked on my squatter. And of course, she, she believed in Hindu gods. And for two, three years, she would come over 
and my wife and I would share with her about Jesus. She would come and say, tell me about Jesus. She would say, how would you say Jesus? Jesus. Tell me about Jesus. Um, she had an Indian accent. And we would, for three years, we shared Christ with her. Now, the one thing that really struck me is in those three years, I learned that she, I said, have you heard of Jesus before? No. I, I've never even heard the name. That, that, that really got my attention when Jesus said, the gospel must be preached in all the world, then the end will come. There are some people that have never heard, some groups of people that have never heard. But after three years, she, that, that assistant pastor I talked to you in Spokane, came and she accepted Jesus after three years of us sharing Christ with her. So you never know. God may have sent us there, and I did mission work, but my, God may have sent us there for three years to touch one person. That one person is worth it to God. That one person is of great value. And God can use us all to reach that one person wherever it is you're at. And God will place, what, 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 what you will notice is God will place a hunger in them for truth. Because she would come over just with a hunger. Share, tell me more about Jesus. Tell me more about Jesus. So with that, we'll close. And I want to just say, Remember that God can use all of us. And we must have faith and not lose our faith, not get distracted by things of the world, by things we hear on TV or craziness. The truth of God is, is in this book, and that's what we live in. It is what he spoke, and it's what we put our faith in. So with that, we'll close in the and we will have one last song. Father, I just pray that um, you would bless every person here. Lord, give us patience. I keep hearing patience over and over in my spirit. Wherever patience is needed, I pray that you would give patience, that you would teach us uh, to follow and be just like Jesus, to follow you, to do as you do, to say what you say to follow you completely and wholly just as Jesus did. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.